Thank you, everyone, for coming out. It's, it's so encouraging to see everyone. I've been working the past three days in the hospital. Two of those have been on the trauma unit, and that was uh, really rough for me to see people, but it's still encouraging to see family and loved ones come and uh, spend the holidays with each other. Uh, despite being in a very, uh, I guess what we would normally say, a bad place to be for the holidays. I'm glad everyone can make it out. I know there's a lot traveling. Um, so Charles just read this verse, uh, this whole passage. Uh, before I get started, though, uh, the big part of it is in the verse 23. It makes a very clear distinction between having a body, a soul, and a spirit. Um, if, if you're like me, you ask a lot of questions. Uh, some of them, Natalie can attest to, are very trivial, uh, don't really have a lot of weight. But other questions I feel like uh, I've asked are, are somewhat good, and I've asked this one for a while, and what is the difference between a soul and a spirit? As we get into it uh, furthermore, we'll talk about uh, in a lot of other passages, how we can define a soul, how we can define a spirit. Uh, but first, a, lot, a majority of this, I, I got a lot of help from Brother Jeffrey Hamilton. I wanted to give him credit for that. Uh, that's all he asked for me to do. Um, and as we go through this, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of scripture. Uh, I went, I made a PowerPoint. The PowerPoint is pretty much all the scripture that I'm going to be reading. Uh, it would probably take, it took him three sermons to get through all this. I'm trying to do it in two. Uh, and that was because of a lot of flipping. Now, as Charles just read also, it says to test everything. So I ask if you would, I have the PowerPoint slides and it has the scripture on it. Please read from the slides. Take some notes down and go back and fact check this. Uh, I don't want you to take my word for it, because we're not told to just take man's word for it. I'm not an apostle, I'm not Jesus Christ. And even still, uh, people question, and that's what we're told to do. So just to kind of expedite things, uh, I will have these up on the board for you, so you can look at that. Uh, another thing is, as we're going through these uh, things, uh, I hope to answer some questions for you. The big part is, what is a spirit and what is a soul? The body we can talk about is kind of easy to define. It's something we can see, touch, feel. I think sometimes it, it almost represents who we are. Uh, if we were to go by man's terms in the Webster Dictionary, a spirit is the non-physical part of a person that is the seat of emotions and character. And then it goes on to say the soul. So that would be all fine and well. I still don't really understand what that means. Uh, another thing is those qualities regarded as forming the definitive or typical elements in the character of a person, nation, or group, or in the thoughtful and attitudes of a particular period. Uh, you might say living in Lexington, you have school spirit for UK, uh, and that would be probably true over a lot of the state of Kentucky. Uh, as far as soul, it says the soul is the spiritual or immaterial part of a human being or animal regarded as immortal. Uh, or the essence or embodiment of a specified quality. Still, I, that doesn't, I don't understand what that's saying. Uh, so what I hope to do is to answer some questions on what is a spirit, what is a soul, and there's a lot more to it than what we think. And as we hopefully find these answers, along the way we might be asking more questions too, and that will help us grow as well. So from that first part, we had 1 Thessalonians 5.23, as Charles just read. I'm going to pull it back up here. It says... Uh, again, spirit, body, and soul be preserved. Now, as we know, our bodies will be done away with. Job even knew this. In uh, Job chapter 19, verse 25 through 27, he says that, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, 
that in my flesh I shall, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. And it's interesting, Job himself, uh, being in the Old Testament, we don't even have a date for where Job is, but he understood that he would see the Father. Now, are, are my eyes going to be the same in a spiritual sense as they will be after uh, we've ascended? Who knows? Uh, but Job has an idea here of what is going on, but he will see his Savior, he will meet him personally, and uh, again, you know, when you think about your body for the most part, I generally think this is who we are, you see yourself in the mirror, this is who I am, this is how people see me, uh, is even as off of first impressions, you know, the first thing I do normally if, if you're a seeing person is, I see you and I, I can make judgments off of how you dress, how you look, what you're wearing, things like that. Uh, next part, uh, actually, I missed one. <laughs> so, well, we understand that there are bodies, they're a container for something else that live on after our physical bodies. Uh, but as we know, our bodies will pass away. Uh, Peter understood in 2 Peter 1, 13 through 14, that he was going to die, uh, that this body of his, this temple, its dwelling, uh, what I think of me is going to pass, but there's another part that's in me that will live on, and that's what we're going to talk about. In uh, others, though, the soul and the spirit, they're a little bit harder to grasp. If I asked you right now, write down what defines soul for me and define spirit, you know, would, you, would you find that easily to do? If you, I would not be able to. Uh, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. But here there's a clear def, uh, distinction between soul and spirit. You think about your bones. Uh, marrow is inside of bones, if, if somebody didn't know that. Uh, it's a part that um, makes a lot of blood cells and things like that. It has a really big part in our bodies, but they're different. Uh, and this is, where, this is the verse that actually made me wonder, because I'm like, well, if I compare a soul to a bone and maybe a spirit to a marrow, how does that work? Is the soul the, the hard part and the spirit's inside of the soul or something like that, the way a bone is with marrow? Uh, from what I understand, it's, it's nothing like that. But God's word, it makes this division of soul and spirit. And we don't, we don't do that much, I think. I think a lot of common times we interchange these words of soul and spirit, and it might not necessarily be harmful to do but if God's word makes a distinction between soul and spirit we should be doing it as well uh, so what is a spirit what is a soul well for the most part the word spirit in both the Hebrew which is uh, from what I say it's called rocket um, and neshima and in the Greek it's called pneuma it literally means wind that's pretty interesting and honestly it's why would we why would the writers use wind well, as I think one thing that we can think about when we hear wind is who's ever seen wind? Actually seen it. However, can you feel wind? Can you see the effects that wind has on its environment? And when you think about it in those terms, it makes a lot of sense. When you refer to spirit, you can't see it, you can't touch it, but you can see the effects of a person's spirit. You can see the effects the Holy Spirit has had on the scripture, the word that we have today, the people that he affected, and you can see um, the spiritual effects of that. So that's the part that we're going to talk about. 
Uh, in the scriptures, the word spirit's used in a variety of ways. Its exact meaning in any particular context depends exclusively on how it's used. And that's the real big kicker. I can't plug spirit here and here and not take into uh, accountability. What is the context being used? Because it might be talking about an unclean spirit, but if I think of spirit as just being the same thing, then it would be used improperly. So that's the big, uh, the big part that we have to remember is whenever I'm reading and understanding this, it has to be used in the context of the scripture being used. So moving on, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit first. Uh, this is the part of the Godhead that even growing up, uh, I didn't always hear a lot about. Uh, it says in Acts 5, 3 through 4, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan you filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not your, at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. You notice at the end he says you've lied to God. And at the beginning it says you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Now we understand that God is God the Father. He is God the Son. He is God the Spirit. Um, this spirit part here, though, is what we're talking about. Uh, you notice it says Holy Spirit. Uh, and the translators, when they have gone through and translated this for us, they have combined the word holy and spirit, and that clearly tells us who this is that's talking about. It's clearly understood that if they were to say you have lied to the spirit, you know, you could still probably understand that's probably the Holy Spirit and not Peter's spirit that was lied to. Uh, but that's not always the case in all the scriptures where we, uh, we have Holy Spirit. One of these other cases is in John chapter 14, 16 through 17 and 26. Uh, it says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, uh, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, if you notice that first part, how is the Spirit referred to first? Is he the Holy Spirit? Is he just the Spirit? He's the Helper. There's another name for him that we've understand to be the Holy Spirit. Another part is he is the Spirit of Truth. And another big thing to remember is, uh, and we'll touch upon this later, that you know, if it's referring to spirits, is God is the Holy Spirit more than one? No, he is he is a unified being. He is only one. So here it has the spirit of truth, and that would be the Holy Spirit. And that was all, his mission, too, was to keep the word true. In verse 26 of uh, John 14, it continues. It says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, that would be awesome for, for, to remember everything, wouldn't it? For the most part. To, especially if you have a task such as, preaching the word or te teaching it in the early church days. You know, how many of us can remember what we did last week? How about yesterday? Ryder came up and said, I remember what you preached on last time. And honestly, I, I didn't remember. <laughs> he told me, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm glad you were listening, Ryder, and uh, committed that. But it's hard for us to remember. We have so much going on. Uh, you have to commit a lot to memory. And it's not always the easiest thing to do. As we mentioned before, this passage, we know that spirit is being referred to because the context defines the words. In other, in other passages, though, the reference is a little bit hard to determine, and uh, the translators try and help us out by putting that holy with the spirit. Uh, another one of these, uh, in Romans 8, 15, 
and 26 through 27 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This one's a little bit uh, harder to think about because there's so many different kind of spirits used here. At the beginning, it has a spirit of bondage. We have the spirit of adoption. We have a spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The spirit himself makes intercession. Um, and then at the end, it says the spirit is, and he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, but that's where, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit harder. Like, okay, which spirit is the spirit Holy Spirit, which spirit is, is my spirit, which spirit is the spirit being used here? And that's where we have to take our own time to figure out uh, which one it's talking to. But look in the context of it, and that helps us out a lot. The Holy Spirit's name, though, is very appropriate. Uh, I never really thought about it in the context of, of this, of what a spirit is, as he is the Holy Spirit. Unlike God the Father and God the Son, how many times in the scripture do we see a direct interaction with God the Spirit? You know, if I can think of one time, it was when Jesus was baptized and it said the Spirit would come down on him in the shape of a dove and it would stay on him. Uh, other than that, there's not a whole lot of times that I can think of that I could find where we, we see God the Spirit. However, we do see the effects that he has and his work and it's everywhere. One of these things is he inspired uh, Old Testament prophets. In 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So where does all Scripture come from? The Holy Spirit. It was uh, spoken through him and you know, as we understand, the, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. So this is a, a one example of that. Another one, he taught and he reminded the New Testament apostles. We just mentioned in John 14, 26 again, it says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things I said to you. I wonder if the apostles maybe at that point have kind of been standing there saying, Man, how are we going to remember all this stuff that Jesus said? Okay, I think we'll be okay. And, you know, maybe Jesus sensing that or even not. Yeah, you know, here is a helper coming to help you remember everything that I have taught you. And the apostles, uh, as we know, they could remember the things that were taught to them. And we see this promise fulfilled uh, in Acts 2, verse 4, the spreading of gospel in other places. <clears throat> I think I duplicated some of these slides. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Acts 2.4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And another thing we'll talk about later is the gifts of the Holy Spirit for a, a short bit. Now, these signs and wonders done through the power of the Holy Spirit, what were they for? What was the purpose? Why did people, why were they allowed to heal? Why could they cast out demons, unclean spirits, if you will? Why could they heal the blind, the sick, the lame? What is it? Why, why did they have all these signs? Why could people prophesy? What did people need prophecy for then? What did people need to speak in tongues for? You know, and that's, we're going to get into that a lot too. Mark 16, 20. 
They went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with him and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. What were some of the things the Pharisees always wanted from Jesus? They come up to him and say, if you're the son of God, give us a sign. And Jesus, he would always comply, right? No. You know, but these men, uh, they had these miracles that they could perform. How many of you have heard uh, a prophecy from somebody today? I think the Enquirer, National Enquirer is a pretty big paper for that. You know, they say, I think they've said that the world's going to end probably 6,000 times, and it hasn't yet. So would you think they are a credible source? Would you think that they actually know, are getting extra prophecy? No, because for one thing, uh, nothing that they say has come true. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, talking of spiritual gifts, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uniform, un- uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one, speaking in the Spirit of God, ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds kinds of tongues, to another the interpretations of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who appropriates to each one individually as he wills. That was a long text. The big thing is, there's a lot of different gifts, and they come from one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Uh, There are certain things that you cannot do without the Holy Spirit. And here we talk about the Spirit. He gave out gifts to confirm the Word was from God. And uh, as we just mentioned, you know, how many people have come up with with a new revelation from God? Uh, even from the 1800s, I think there's a new religion created every day, probably a couple hundred uh, cults or something of the sort. Uh, and they're just not true. And that's where we come in to test these, to see if they're true. And the biggest thing is God never contradicts himself. And if somebody says something that's going to come true and it doesn't, well, that's clearly not an extra message from God. These miraculous signs, though, they ended. They're no longer here, uh, as some would would like them to be. You know, would it be nice to have healing? Of course it would. Uh, But the purpose of that was not to heal the world. It was not to take all the illness and sickness away from the world. The purpose was so people could believe. Uh, In the long run, there's there's a lot better things coming on uh, than this world has to offer. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13, it says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, that when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, these, these spiritual gifts are over, but there are still things that are still here, such as faith, hope, and love that we have that are even greater. Uh, 
Paul mentioned a big part of it, prophesying in part, knowing in part. Well, I, I don't have a Bible to hold up or a phone because they have apps for that now, but we have the whole. We have the perfect law now. It's, it's put together for us. We don't have to scramble around asking for different kinds of prophecies. We don't have to pass letters from churches to churches. We have everything we need. The only thing we need to do is to read it ourselves and to take it to others. So because of this direct work of the Holy Spirit in the bringing of, of the scripture that we have, the word spirit's also used to refer to the work or the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 30 through 33. It says, If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Uh, So we know the spirits here does not refer to the Holy Spirit, who is, as God, is not subject to any man. Uh, Also, the word spirits, it's plural, but there is only one spirit that Ephesians 4.4 tells us. There is one body and uh, one spirit. I don't know why that said vain. It must have been my autocorrect. Just as you were called to one hope. One body, one spirit. That would be the body of Christ. Another part in Revelations 22, verse 6, we can see the spirits of prophets in action. He said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Another is the purpose of gifts was to build up the churches in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now that's, that may be a little confusing. Uh, you know, it would be cool to just be able to speak a different language. But what's the point of me coming up here speaking Swahili if nobody can understand that? Or Latin. Maybe one person here could do that. You know, is that going to edify the whole church, though? Now, if I could come up and give a prophecy from God in the, uh, the New Testament days, would that edify everyone? Would that need to be passed down to other people? Absolutely. And that's where uh, the prophecy would be the greater gift. And as all those prophecies came uh, to fulfillment, they were no longer needed. So the prophets, uh, as you can understand from the scriptures, they were not grabbed by the Holy Spirit. They were not taken by him and thrown out of control in public assemblies, as uh, some, as the Pentecostals may claim, the prophets were to exert control over their gift. And that's where we talk about prophecy is greater than tongues. And it boils down to just communication. 1 John 4, 1 through 3, it says, talks about how similarly Christians were told to test the spirits to see if they were from God. And beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out in the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. That would be the Holy Spirit. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard coming and now is in the world already. Test these spirits. Uh, The lack of faith... uh, for not, for not testing the spirits is a lack of faith, uh, just taking the word on it. So put it to the test. As we mentioned, God never lies. God never contradicts himself. And that's the easiest way for us to know if something is false or true is to know uh, what God has said. 
And this testing is by comparing what was taught. 1 Corinthians 12.3 tells us that. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And likewise, these false teachings are also referred to as spirits. As we just read, there are spirits of uh, falsehood. In 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So the Spirit doesn't, uh, as we can see, it, it refers to a Holy Spirit. It refers to a person's spirit. There are false spirits, um, and there are lying spirits. There's deceitful spirits. Uh, so it's, it can, see how it can get, it's building up a little bit more of what a spirit is or what a spirit can be. <clears throat> so this leads us on to another set of spirits. And uh, we're going to talk about the spirits of demons and angels. In Matthew twelve twenty two, it says, A demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw uh, some other versions talk about how these demons, they're sometimes called unclean spirits. You may have a version that says that. And these unclean spirits did a variety of things that, we're gonna, that we'll read about. They caused physical and mental infirmities. As you see here, this man, he was made blind and mute, and Jesus healed him. That's interesting to think of a, a spirit wanting to do something like that. Uh, another one in Mark nine seventeen through 22, it says, Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Okay, we already read about that. What else does the spirit do? It seizes him. It throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy into him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And has often cast him into fire, into water, to destroy him. But if you could do anything, have compassion and help us. If you had to have an unclean spirit come into you, which one would you prefer? This one's, we have a lot more of what it's doing, the deafness, loss of speech, the convulsions. Can you actually see this unclean spirit? Could anyone see it? What could they see? They could see the effect it had on the poor boy, how it would convulse him, it would throw him down, it would grab hold of him, it would try to destroy him. It made these people blind, it made them mute. Uh, another one, Mark 5, 1 through 5, it makes these people go insane and give them super strength. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often uh, been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, he broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and out in the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones." It's another version of an unclean spirit. As we mentioned, it, if you would look at somebody like that today, you'd say they are just absolutely insane. They're not of sound mind. In this gentleman's case, though, it was an unclean spirit that had taken control of him, and it had to be removed by Jesus. Now, these are all examples of spirits that did really bad things. Um, 
unclean spirits. Another one that may be a little more benign, uh, it's still an unclean spirit though, in Acts 16.16 we see, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So this spirit, uh, unclean spirit still, but because it can make somebody money, was considered a good thing. So here, uh, as they cast this spirit out, you know, the men brought the apostles and they were punished for that. But, you know, this unclean spirit uh, did divination uh, and it prophesied. And so here's the apostles, how they were interacting with these spirits. In Matthew 12, 22 through 29, it says, A demons, they're from Satan. And Jesus, he demonstrates his power over them. It says, A demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be said? It is, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself, and uh, then, it will, then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out uh, demons by Beelzebul, be, uh, then whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come uh, upon you. Who can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he is first uh, binds the strong man? Uh, this is the big key thing of where Jesus, he has power over these demons, uh, that they have no control over uh, the Son of God. And then, uh, well, this will be the last verse uh, for the morning, and we'll tie off here uh, before we get into angels. Uh, this is a prophecy or talked about that I think maybe get overlooked a little bit. It says, demons and prophets would both be removed. In Zechariah 13, 1 through 2, it says, On that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets of the spirit of uncleanness. Well, here it is, it says, these, these days are coming. These days have already come. Uh, these spirits are not allowed in people anymore. They had their time to do what? What does a spirit do? In the case of an unclean spirit uh, here, they're a, they're, they had effects on people. They could make them blind, mute, insane, uh, do the divination. But now they cannot do that no more. Their effect on the world has ceased. Prophets also are no longer prophesying. All the word is complete. Thank you so much for your attention this morning. I hope you'll come back this afternoon. We'll, uh, we'll talk about angels uh, in regards to another form of spirits. Uh, just to kind of give a little opener. Angel, it literally means messenger. Uh, angels are mentioned a lot in the Bible. Uh, we're going to talk about where they come from, how they uh, work for God, uh, and various qualities of angels. And then after that, I know we'll get into the aspects of what is a soul. I thank you so much for your attention. I understand, again, there's a lot of scripture to go through. It's very important for us to go through these scriptures, to understand these contexts, to put this all together. And I really appreciate your kind attention and listening. Uh, at this time, though, we, we extend an invitation to people always. Uh, for those that haven't obeyed the gospel, 
now is a perfect opportunity to come. Uh, Any time that you have is a perfect opportunity to be saved. But for those in the congregation just may need prayers or help from the congregation, this time is set aside for you as well. But if not, uh, and if so, if you need that, we ask that you come forward now as we stand and as we sing.